1: Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted, with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential.
0: Hi, Joseph Tito. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. I'm so grateful to have you here this wonderful afternoon. Thanks for joining me.
1: Christina, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you.
0: Oh, me too. Uh, we had a little bit of a fun chat beforehand about our, our love of aviation. And it's so cool to meet a fellow, um, not aviator yet, but uh, uh, an enthusiast. Aviation aviation. Inspiring. Inspiring. Yes. You're going to be there, though. Very, very short order. Um, but you're here to talk to our audience about how to start effectively their own business and, and exit. If they had this idea to start a business, what would it look like? And if they ever had plans to not only start, but one day exit, what are the, some of the things they have to know before they enter all of this. And so you're going to share some of your journey. Um, so before we go there, just share, what even brought you to the world of entrepreneurism?
1: I, I guess it's what got me into the world of entrepreneurism was frustration with corporate life. <laughs> so I'm, um, I started out my degrees in accounting, passed the CPA exam, and honestly, like the day after I passed the CPA exam, I'm like, I can't do this, and this is not how I want to spend the rest of my life, and I started to, um, so my first business, I got involved with a couple of friends. Um, We were, this is, so I'm going to date myself, but this is when accounting systems were coming off mainframes, and they were going onto PCs, and so we were installers and trainers, um, and so I learned a valuable lesson about getting into business with friends and partners. And mm-hmm. so we made a lot of money and, and dissolved our friendship in mm-hmm. our business, unfortunately, after two years that those things happen. Um, and then after that, I kind of had the bug. And then back in 99, this was kind of better to be lucky than good. But mm-hmm. um, I had just finished going through a divorce. I was doing a turnaround of a public company that wound up going sideways and we filed bankruptcy and wasn't sure what to do but 99 was also the venture capitalism so if you were breathing and you could articulate a sentence you were getting funded and so i had the idea of well you know what i really don't want to go back to work for somebody i want to try to do some consulting and so i got some calls from friends going hey can you help this person with a business plan can you help them with a the forecast and after a couple of months i said well, wow, this is a business and so i put up a website I took an office in the Empire State Building, and we just started the business in in September of 1999, and we started to grow the business, and we were doing really, really well, and then out of nowhere, in December of 01, we got an unsolicited offer for the business. I wound up closing the sale in March of 02. I worked for the company that bought my practice for five years, and it was a tremendous ride, and in the middle of all that, I got remarried, had a baby, and then we relocated to Florida, and when I came to Florida, I was just determined to find a business that would work. And so our third business was a, an online retail business, which was started successfully. But we were doing my wife is an amazing designer mm-hmm. and we were doing um, high end baby bedding and then the recession hit. And so that folded away. And then we cared for my grandmother when she had dementia. Then, so after her passing, we opened up a home health business and we did that for eight years. Hmm. And all of that to say in 2019, we sold it and I wasn't really sure what to do next. And I said it was never that was going to be my last business. But of course, I keep failing that idea. And so we were talking about the businesses we sold, and a couple of times we used business brokers, et cetera. And we just said, what could be a better experience for the lower end of the market? And mm-hmm. so I'm one of those people that if I'm going to complain, I'm going to fix it. And so this blue sky was born.
0: This is what I love about entrepreneurship. When most of our uh, successful business owners started out as having a need themselves that wasn't Mm -hmm. being fulfilled in the marketplace often. And they said, you know what? I can do this. I can be the one to fulfill the need that I need as well as others. And then they bring it to the marketplace and it's such a benefit. I mean, this is the beauty of, of not only entrepreneurship, but also small business that allows you the opportunity to bring something. Sometimes maybe it's not a completely new idea, but maybe at a price point, like you said, helping the people at a different price level that couldn't compete with some of the bigger guys or or work with some of the bigger guys.
1: Sure. (laughs) Exactly. And if you think about it, right, and and this is going full circle, right? Because my CFO business was really focused on pre-revenue companies looking to get venture capital or early stage companies looking to get their first round. And now I'm at the back end of it saying you've had all of the success, you've built this business, And, and, you know, my typical client, I would probably say half my client base is, um, is a baby boomer who's probably dedicated a good part of their life to building their business. Mm -hmm. Most are in blue collar industries. And so this is their biggest asset. And they deserve to get an exit the same way you would if you were running a $100 million business where people are falling over themselves to work with you. Now, obviously, they're looking to sell you something, right? But Mm -hmm. you have people who want to give you tax strategy, financial planning, estate planning, and all of that. And when you've got a $10 million business, It's, you know, it's crickets. Nobody cares. And so what we're trying to do is bring that level of planning down to the lower end. But the other part I'm trying to bring to is a holistic approach, right? Because Mm -hmm. as I said, I continue to fail at selling businesses and stopping and and I restart businesses. And part of that is because what do you want to do with your life after you sell the business, you know? Mm -hmm. You're an entrepreneur. I am willing to bet you're a type A personality. You're very (laughs) driven. And the idea of taking a break sounds good to us for about four days and then we get bored. And so if you don't have a plan for after you sell, you Mm -hmm. wind up failing retirement and doing it over again. And so what we're trying to do is create a a holistic approach that says, look, we got to create a value in your business. You've already created all this value. We're going to help you maximize it. But at the same time, what does that money mean to you? Right? Mm Because, A sum of money means different things to different people. I've had people where $5 million will take care of generations, and I've had people where $5 million will get them through the decade. So Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? And then the third piece of time that all together is what does your life look like afterwards? What do you want to do, Mm -hmm. and will you have the means to do it and not outlive your money, et cetera? And so that's the approach we're taking with um, small business owners.
0: Yeah, I, I love all these questions they are very important. I think often even the average Joe doesn't think about, okay, what happens when you do retire? Do you have enough saved up? Or, you know, are you going to able to care for yourself for the long haul? Because maybe you're around after retirement another 20-30 years. Do you have it set yep. aside that you're going to be able to take care of your needs or just have the life you want? Now, I don't know if you've heard of a, a woman called Cody Sanchez. I uh, just recently I I've heard of you have, right? And yes. I'm thinking what you're saying to me right now sounds like a fabulous opportunity for anyone listening in that happens to be a person thinking about, I'd always want to own a business, not work for someone, but how do I even get started? And the exit plan for a lot of your clients could be the greatest opportunity, meaning a baby boomer has a fabulous business, is ready to unload, sell it. And here's an opportunity for a newbie to come up, learn the trade, take it over and and keep running with it.
1: Absolutely. You know, most people have this impression that to be an entrepreneur, you've got to start it from scratch Mm -hmm. and go through years of suffering. Yeah. If you own a business, you're going to suffer on some level regardless, but you can buy a business and still be an entrepreneur. And a lot of times, right? fresh eyes, new blood, new energy, you will revitalize a business. And so that is a, a very viable way to get into entrepreneurship. In a lot of ways, it's a safer way to get into entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. And and recently I, I had heard um, a report that in Japan, there's so many uh, old time businesses that have been out there 30, 40 years and not enough young people to come take it over. Like some of them don't have family that are ready and able or, maybe don't have family to take over the business so now the government's saying to some people hey we will unload these businesses or help others get started as an apprentice level so they can take over these businesses so they just don't end up in the garbage after 40 years in the community wonderful service providing the marketplace Uh, because it's sad when you have such wonderful mom and pops businesses out there that have been doing extraordinarily well serving the marketplace you don't want them to go out of business and this is the perfect way for some people to be able to go out there and, you know, as you said, start a business. Now, you mentioned something very early on, Joe, that I thought was interesting. You had a partnership and it didn't kind of go the way you wanted. And I thought it'd be cool if we could just touch on that, because I think I, I have a friend of mine, actually, who's just starting his second business and he started his first business with a partnership and he put in all the money and they put in none, but they're putting in equity cost equity you know work equity um but now they're starting a second partnership and his partner isn't able to provide money again and i'm thinking uh this sounds a little hairy what's your take on how successful partnerships should be looked at or or before you even get started what is your your take on that
1: yeah, it's, it really is complicated. And I think one of the biggest things and the reason why our first business didn't work out is that we were all in different stages of our life. Mm. Um, so I was recently married and just bought a house. Mm. Um, the other two guys were single. Um, and so there was already that dynamic. And so as we were making money, I'm looking to reinvest and grow. And they're like, I want to pull ten thousand dollars out of the business because we're going on vacation and you know so you get two dynamics first of all i got money coming out of the business and then secondly i really can't afford to have you away for a week when we've got all of these installations and stuff to do so Mm -hmm. it was just a different we were both in the three of us were were in just very different places with our lives and what we wanted to accomplish for the business i was looking to build wealth they were looking for a, a revenue stream for themselves
0: interesting
1: and that makes it complicated and, you yeah. know, and the other part was too, is it was frustrating because it was, a f- you know, they were friends, they were good friends and mm-hmm. that really tarnished it. But I also years later wound up getting involved in another business that, um and this was, an, again, it was somebody that I knew, I wouldn't call him a close friend, but he was having a struggle when his key sales guy, he's got sick, they, the business was faltering, I lent mm-hmm. him some money, I lent him some more money. And the third time I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm one equity and I want to come in and help you fix the business mm-hmm. and wound up doing that with him only to find out that after we, and we literally turned this business around we we're making a lot of money and to find out that he was taking money out of the accounts without sharing it. And so it was, and so I guess part of it too is, you know, there's always two sides to every story. I also think it's my personality. I'm, I am a very strong willed person and mm-hmm. very type A. And I just think that I am, I am a, a person who's better suited to Being being solo than having partners, but I will say if you're bringing on partners document document and document, we handled two cases this summer, Mm -hmm. both instances, it was companies where they were pushing out a 30% shareholder and it gets ugly and part of it was because the formation agreements were not they were silent to how do you remove a partner. What's the valuation of the business? If they're, how do you buy out their their partnership? What are the mechanisms to initiate taking out a partner? And so the more of that that you can write in, and and the mistake a lot of companies make when they're starting out, right? Because we're all watching dollars, mm-hmm. and so they'll go online to a website and they'll pull down stuff and they say, "I saved money by not using a lawyer," and then you spend. 25 times that amount when it all blows up in your face. And so if, if there's any advice I'm going to give to your audiences, spend the money with the professionals out of the gate. I know it's painful, but you will be grateful in the long run because inevitably everybody loves each other until they don't. And then when they don't, it's too late to fix it.
0: And it's nothing like I found. I've had some money issues with friends. Um, and, and this was doing work for friends. And it turned out not. Good, but I also didn't do a contract with them because I, they're friends.
1: Friends, um, right. And, yeah, but I have nothing to worry about.
0: I about. Yeah. we're friends, all going to work out. And it didn't. And and then it kind of tarnished our relationship. If we had put on the table all the particulars and we were both like, this is the way it's going to work, this is what it looks like on both sides, there wouldn't have been any ambiguity and there wouldn't have been any hard feelings. And uh, yeah, so it's really tricky that way. I had a friend also who... Um, had a business, went in partnership for five years and the guy was, smug- snuggling, or was smuggling money on the side like you had mentioned, yeah. uh, one of your situations and had taken a good portion of the money out of the bank and just bankrupt the entire company overnight. And you try to take him to court and really the, you know, the, the lawyer was like, he's pretty much spent it. I mean, it could cost yeah. you a couple million dollars to try to take him to court and you're going to have to pay all the lawyer fees. I suggest to start over and uh, don't make a mistake. Next time, make sure... Everything's laid out and you do your homework. So I think what's interesting about you mentioning to get the particular lawyer help and professionals is they'll probably ask questions you won't even think to ask your friends who are being partners with you because you're such good friends. You wouldn't even think to ask, what does valuation look like when it grows this much? What does work equity look like if you're putting in just work and not as much money as the right. other partners? So it'll be hashed out on the front. So everyone sees it, aware of it. Y'all sign the dotted line. You're all aware before you get started.
1: Absolutely. And you know, yes. some people are uncomfortable having that conversations with friends. And one of the things I've done with every one of my businesses is I always put an advisory board in place to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And so that's my default is, listen, I know we're friends, but my advisory board expecting this for everybody we do business with. I need you to. And so that's how we put the agreement in place. So you try not to make it personal and you just, it's a business. And when you're dealing yeah. with a business yeah. relationship, treat it that way.
0: Well, also, you 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 put your friend on notice that I'm held to the same standard in this contract as well as you. It's both of us. Yeah. Like, if I don't follow through, I'm going to get penalized. And the same goes for everyone. So this is not just uh, me. I've heard the same thing with, you know, entering marriages. Sometimes people want to do a contract, and I actually think it's a good idea. But they're like, well, you don't love the person if you do a contract. I'm like, not necessarily. You're all on the up and up. You see what you're getting right. into. and. You know, maybe it would stop a, le- a lot of divorces. Perhaps, who knows?
1: <laughs> or stop a lot of marriages from happening if they are, if they know there is not silver sort of lining at the end, right?
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, let's start. We started a lot with the exit and the partnership. Let's say someone's getting started; they have a fabulous idea, or they want to get into being an entrepreneur, but they don't really know what's entailed in that. What would be your starter insights for them to even consider getting started?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is, and it's usually like most things in life, it's mental, right? People, especially people that are younger are like, well, I've got a job, I've got a family and I have security. Well, Mm -hmm. your job is about as secure as until they decide you're not necessary anymore. So I I would say get over that hurdle about the security because I I think it's a myth. Um, But then secondly is look, if you if you want to start something with cash flow and have some level of security, then to your point, go out and buy a business and, and research them. Look, and again, this is where you you know if you've not if you're not a financial person and you don't have a background in this, bring in somebody at least an accountant. If you're not going to bring in a you know a, a small investment banking firm, do the due diligence, understand where their revenue come from, um, understand what the expense structure looks like. Um, you know, depending on the type of business, like if you're buying a retail business, Mm -hmm. have people go in on off hours and not you go. If somebody else go in, is the store crowded? Because um, you can stage things. I mean, story I probably shouldn't tell, but my uncle years ago had a pharmacy in Staten Island. It wasn't doing well. He was looking to sell it. And every time he had an appointment with the buyer, he had all of the family coming in to walk around the store and we're all buying things. And it was so, you know, the point is, is you got to do things. A little bit, um, what's the word, clandestine? Mm-hmm. But you can really probe. I mean, read it. today. There's so much information out there. You can read Google reviews. You can find out what a business's reputation is like. And then the other part is when you're going to buy it. Is and you know it's part of the exit plan, right? You're going to have somebody like me on the other side. But you want to structure it in such a way so that the the seller has a reason to make sure that you're successful. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. it's putting an earnout in place or things like that. To, um, to help you make sure that you're going to be successful with your business. Yeah, I be, yeah. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, go for it. You had, you had a last gonna, thought.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, the other thing is to do something that's going to make you happy. Just don't buy a business because the numbers work. Cause honestly, this is like having a child. Um, And if you're not excited about getting out of bed in the morning to do it, Hey, you're never going to make the money. And even if you do, you're going to be miserable. It's yeah. got to be something that really fires you up.
0: And, and and to that point, um, imagine a nine to five, you get to leave at five o'clock right. or whatever it is. If this is your baby, things go upside down or belly up, or you have to work 16 hour days. If you hate it on top of it, it's best yes. to stay in a job you don't like better than staying in a, in a career or stay in a business you hate because you're going to be working a lot more hours than you did in, your, in a job.
1: Absolutely. And again, there's another mindset. that as well right because people who are really comfortable with i go in at nine i leave at five they're probably not cut out to be entrepreneurs you know i've always described my life as a big bowl of spaghetti and every morning i wake up and decide which strings i'm going to pull and so it's balancing family time work time back to family time back to Mm -hmm. work time you know there's no start and stop it's just a continuous you know you know it you run a business it doesn't Mm -hmm. there is no there's no defined stop time it's just when do i give up for today and pick up again tomorrow
0: Exactly. And I I like what you were saying also about um, people being clear about what they're passionate about and and seeing not only what are you excited about, but what I'm excited about, is there some way that I can really truly serve the marketplace? It's like, I like to sing songs. Okay. How does that help people right here, right now? Um, Because I think often people have this passion. I like to knit socks or something like that. It's like, great. How does that fit into what people are needing or wanting, or how can you presented to the marketplace in a new and exciting way that would make people excited to go get your product because it's not always about, I love it, so therefore it'll make money because often yeah, people start businesses that end up going belly up pretty quickly with only that in mind.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you're making a great point. I think what people have to ask the question they have to ask themselves is what value am I providing to the person who's buying for me? And if you approach it like that all the time, then you're going to start Because we all also have a tendency, right? We think it's a great idea and we want people to buy what we're selling, but people don't buy what we're selling. We have to learn to sell what people want to buy. And so it's what is what is the other side of the transaction value? And that's what you have to you really have to try and focus on providing.
0: You know, Joe, I I love this. Many years ago, I made this mistake uh, where I was trying to sell a collections course and it was a several part course. I taught it in Manhattan. I was so excited about it. I got several people to come to the first lecture in Manhattan, but I couldn't get anyone to actually buy the course. I thought it was fabulous. And when I started doing... um, you know, a survey of my followers. I said, well, what's wrong? Don't y'all want help in your collections? They're like, yes, but we want someone to do it. We don't want to learn all the ins and outs of AR. We want an accountant to come in and just do it. And uh, so perfect, you know, in, in mind, you could say, oh, I have this great idea. I have this course or this thing I want to give people, but not knowing your marketplace, not wanting that.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's interesting when I started Blue Sky and I know I started this in April 2020, so it was right smack in the middle of COVID, but it was also a good opportunity to test. And so we were reaching out, And you know, I've been in this I've been doing business for more than 30 years. Right. So I was able to reach out to a lot of my contacts and just say, listen, hypothetically, if I had this type of a business. And I offered you this, what do you think? And I got the, that would be great. I could care less if you did that. And so that's how we wound up going rolling with this four phase process and, and things like that, because it really was really to try and build something that was tailored to where the business owner saying, well, I'm getting value for this. I'm not just doing it because you told me I need to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we could go on a lot longer, but I don't want anyone to leave without finding out how you can help them grow their business today. How can they reach you, find out more about Blue Sky Exit Planning? How could they do that?
1: Absolutely. So our website is blueskyexitplanning.com. Um, you can reach out to me directly. My email is joe at blueskyexitplanning.com. If you have a business and you're curious what it's worth or where you, how you can improve it, on our website, there's links to two different assessments. If you take those assessments um, and just indicate that you um, heard me on this podcast, I'll do a free one-hour consultation with you just to kind of walk you through the data and give you some pointers on how you can make some changes in your business to increase value.
0: Awesome. And if there happens to be a, a fledging fledgling entrepreneur out there who's like, maybe you have some clients that I could buy their business, could they reach out to you as well?
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome. That's fabulous. Same contact and
1: and absolutely we would love we'll put you on our database. And as we come across opportunities, we'd be glad to share them.
0: That's fabulous. Well, I have to thank you again, Joe. This has been a fabulous conversation that I know has enlightened our audience. Thank you for so much for coming to Savvy Broadcasting.
1: Christina, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our time together. You
0: betcha. Looking for a hilarious read? Well, check out my latest book, My Crazy Roommates. The names have been changed to protect the deranged. Step into the wild and unpredictable world of young adulthood in the heart of New York City. Brace yourself for a roller coaster ride through the trials, tribulations, and hilarious moments of shared living spaces with a colorful cast of characters. Fasten your seatbelt and get ready to laugh, cringe, and maybe shed a tear as you delve into the pages of My Crazy Roommates. So get your copy today, available at Amazon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.